1: In the South, it's always college football season, and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. There. Is an off-field
2: aspect of the Southeastern Conference that I am so happy to see back again it is the Chuck Oliver show on a Tuesday and it's unlike a Tuesday we've had in 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 a month or four in that it's a Tuesday with no games this week now that's not accurate uh, we do have Army Navy Navy on Saturday don't tell me is it in Baltimore this year Or Philadelphia? I think it's in Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Dan. Dan with the gold star. Five extra minutes at recess for Dan. It is. It's at MetLife. That's right, Dan. Um, So, we have Army-Navy, and they're normally – in a COVID year, we would have had games that were all pushed back. I think we had one of those, and it was last week, and it was Cal playing, uh, Cal USC. So we have a Tuesday where it's not necessarily wrapping up the weekend. Uh, we got plenty of time to wrap up the weekend, a preview, and there are more important things to handle today, such as coaching changes and hirings. Uh, but then also just observation. It's been a minute since we could take any time, especially this early in the week, uh, for just observations. And I said there's an off-field aspect of the SEC that I'm just thrilled. And it kind of snuck up on me. And I can think back now that how I used to be, like, daily mood-wise, thinking or interacting even better, uh, thinking about the SEC, talking about the SEC, interacting with folks who are employed in the SEC. Um, my mood and then 2000, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And then there was a drop, a dip. I realized and now I'm feeling them happier again. Chuck, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about Lane and Leach. I'm talking about Sam Pittman and Shane Beamer folks in the sec. There is a major return to, even if you don't like the other team, you kind of like the coach. And at least you do respect him. At one point, middle of July for me, it was Gary Pinkle, nicest man in history, if Tommy Bowden isn't the nicest man in history. Uh, Mark Richt, who, if neither of those is Mark Richt. It was Tommy Tuberville, who was, I think, the perfect example. It wasn't too long after Tommy Tuberville left Auburn that that whole Auburn-Georgia thing changed. Even Georgia fans back in the day, I think this is a fair uh, assessment. And like Auburn, do not take this the wrong way. They respected Tuberville. They looked at Tuberville like, "All right, I got. I'll, I'll fist bump him. I want to beat you, and I don't. I hope you lose the other Saturdays too." But it was a friendly er thing. And as far as the coach goes, I, everybody respected Tuberville. It was Steve Spurrier. Who at some point, and it happened when he got to South Carolina, for me it was Florida. I used to watch Florida games even if I didn't think it was going to be a competitive thing because I just, I was fascinated by what he was forcing the SEC to, to not, to have to breathe. He was forcing everybody in the SEC if you want to breathe, if you want any oxygen, you got to do this now. I would go to Florida games maybe once a maybe once a year. I would get to see Florida SEC championship game. I would see them every time they were there, um, or a regular season game maybe. The game the one time when they came to Athens. Um, and do you know what I would purposely do? Every other game, I want to sit like if I'm in the press box, I'm in the press box. If I'm sitting in the stands, do you know where I want to sit? And I, especially with Florida. I would want to sit smack in the middle of the end zone. I would want to see those routes developing. And you can see the deep defensive backs dropping into their coverage. It is a great seat, folks. It really is. Um, Steve Spurrier. I didn't like Florida. I like Steve Spurrier. And when he went to South Carolina and he wasn't that much of a – he wasn't as much of a threat to you, and I'm saying everybody else other than Florida, when he wasn't as much – because Florida – if you still wanted to dislike Spurrier, it was justified because he probably had beaten you recently. At South Carolina, it was a little less that way until they won what? Damn, they won 43 games in four seasons? I believe so, yes. Wow. Coach Cut. who in the world has never liked David Cutcliffe? All right. I'm going to go back in time. Les Miles, his last media days would have been sixteen. His last full season would have been fifteen. If we can delorean back to that time before I knew that he was um, Dan. What was the word sitting in the parking lot with a nineteen-year-old girl? What was he doing?
3: Mentoring. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. mentoring. Yeah, I was just I was trying to figure out what way you were going with this.
2: But yeah, I, I was trying to come up with the word he used, <laughs> not the word that uh, others used. Um, way before the mentoring. He was crazy Uncle Les. And didn't we all like him? Didn't we all like him? Keep going, folks. It was a fair majority of the entire conference had a coach that fit that bill. Then I went to the fridge, came back, and I was watching Jeremy Pruitt fire an assistant coach at halftime. Somebody that he had hired and moved that guy's family. And I'm like, what? huh? I've told you that. I'll give the guy Ron Stuckey. And I don't know if he has gone to the other side now or whatever. When I was in high school, my manager at Domino's, Ron Stuckey, I walked in one day and I was, I don't know, my shift would have been starting at like 3 or something. So I get there by 2.45. And there's nothing going on at a Domino's Pizza at 2.45. So when I walk in, Ron is in the manager's office with the door open. He's on the phone and he's talking to this guy named Roy. He's like, um... Yeah, Roy, come on in. And yeah, just, yes, yeah, we got some things we need to go over. So just come on in, Roy. And Roy was one of the drivers, like me. And I knew Roy was horrible. And I knew Roy was getting fired. And so when Ron hung up, I was like, We well, already had him on the phone. I was 18. Ron was an adult. You had him on the phone. Why didn't you just fire him there, save him the trip? Now, I remember Ron looked at me and he said, There is a right way and a wrong way to do everything. Folks, that was 1986, and that is one of the – like, my life rule, that is – there's a right way and a wrong way. And the important thing is to do everything. There's a wrong way you can do it. And so, you want to fire your defensive line coach? Knock yourself out. Don't disrespect the position and the school and the program and the good name of the, by firing the dude at halftime. Chad Margus – I, I try not to swear on this, this radio show. What an arrogant a-hole. He showed up in Fayetteville acting not like he was a Frank Broyles Award nominee, but like he was Frank Broyles. He showed up. He didn't have time for you. He did not. He had, to, in fact, he didn't even want to discuss with you because you probably would not understand it. Wow. Dan Mullen, my gosh. What was I just saying about Chad Moore? Uh, My goodness, Dan Mullen. And Joe Moorhead. Dan, do you remember what Joe Moorhead told his own fan base after the – quote, I went and looked it up. If you don't want me here, come drag my Yankee ass out. Oh, my gosh. I can't think – of not only a worse challenge to a fan base, but in Starkville, Mississippi. What you do is you hope that you coach there long enough that they forget where you're from. You know where his Yankee ass is now, right? Oh, he's at uh, Akron. Akron, yep. Joe Moorhead, who I asked Dave Bartu about that last week, and I was like, I heard Joe Moorhead, because he's arrogant, and he he I, I can do this, I know it. He took a, I think he took a pay cut. To go to be head coach at Akron with less money for his entire staff than he used to make at Oregon. You're you're in Starkville, Mississippi, and you're saying that to your fan base, and now you look up and it's Lane, and even when you play Lane and you're in LSU, I don't know, Dan. I don't want to speak for you, and I want honest feedback and tell me no, Chuck. In this case, it's different. You're in a, you come from an LSU house. Y'all don't Correct. like Ole Miss, no. Lane? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Lane. He's got a lane. Mississippi State. I don't think that any Ole Miss fan likes Mississippi State. Maybe you're thinking, no, Chuck, I hate Mike Leach. If I drop you in the room of truth, I'm telling you, there's a little bit that you do like. Mike Leach, did, you, did we talk about his comment yesterday? Oh, my goodness. If you didn't see his comments yesterday, this is Mike Leach. Mississippi State's playing Texas Tech in the bowl game. Mike Leach was asked on Zoom like four minutes after it was announced that Mississippi State and Tech were going to play. Hey, Coach, what is your first thought about facing the Red Raiders? Quote, well, obviously Tech owes me $2.6 million for 2009 alone, and that doesn't even count the other four years I had on my contract. First words out of his mouth. With that said, the vast majority of people at Tech are outstanding. He is a treasure, and he reached into my chest, ripped out my heart this year, but about three weeks ago, and I still look at Mike Leach. I'm like, he's a treasure. Joe Moorhead, I was like, mm, I'm good. He was. He's the second guy that I considered turning down for an interview. I've never turned down any head coach at Media Days. Bobby Petrino, I was like, yeah, no, we're not scheduling you anymore. You you can unhinge your jaw and go swallow a spaniel outside. And then Joe Moorhead, I was really thinking about it. I was like, no, no, we got to do it. He's head coach at Mississippi State, and I got to respect that. Um, and now you got Lane and Leach and Shane Beamer. My, if you didn't like Will Muschamp, it's an acquired taste and I like Will Muschamp, I do, but I also understand that's not true of everyone. If you don't like Shane Beamer, you don't like puppies. You don't like apple pie. You don't like sitting on a porch swing. It's coming back to that, and I'm happy. All right. Uh, see, that's what we can do on a Tuesday when we don't have, you know, 78 games this coming weekend. We're going to break, come back, to all college football.
1: The king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. I have spoken to Caleb, um, reached out to him and his father yesterday and uh,
2: connect with his father here later. And whether it's Caleb or anybody else, you know, everybody
1: talks about recruiting and going get the next class and the next class after that even. There's there's nobody that's more important to recruit than your players every day. Oklahoma head
2: coach Brent Venables. And he is trying to lock up his quarterback. Like Caleb Williams, he would like him to be his quarterback. Um, That is Brent Venables at his introductory press conference. He is not a – that's kind of what you're going to get, that tone, that pace, that cadence, and that's fine. Um, But as he says, I haven't spoken to him, reached out. We're going to connect later. Um, Keeping QB1 has got to be a priority for him. But um, he hasn't publicly announced any staff decisions yet, like any. And I think he's going to obviously mine from Clemson because that's what always happens, that – um, now it's Dabo and Venables who are both looking at assistant coaches with the ability to make them coordinators. So if you look at your defensive line coach or your secondary coach, and he's always been a position coach, then you can look at him and go, hey, uh, what would you think about being a coordinator now, whether it's in Clemson or Norman? So that was Brent Venables. as, And I mentioned this last week that – Joe Castiglione, the AD out there, he was, he's trying to recreate what OU just had to great success. You brought in, and and this was before Castiglione, but you brought in an uber successful defensive coordinator, I don't think with any head coaching experience, um... And now that doesn't mean anything as far as attitude. Uh, I think because Chad Morris had been a head coach at Lake Travis. What conference are they in? Are they in the uh, the Big 12? Or they? Oh, no, that's a high school. That's right. Yeah, he had been a high school head coach. So I don't know if Brent Venables has been a high school head coach. But but whatever. He's leading this program now. Uh, and he's trying to hire a staff. And what Castiglione has done is looked at Bob Stoops, when you brought him in from Florida, uber-successful defensive coordinator, boom, he's in place. And then there was a succession of young, some of them up-tempo, but all very successful and aggressive offensive coordinators that came through uh, Norman. And then it was – I can't even remember. Was it the 15 season or the 14 season or the – whatever it was. I need to – it was public. Public. Maybe it was after the 15 season when Heupel's contract expired. If I'm off a year on this, I do apologize. But it was, we need to fix the offense. Those were Stoops' exact words. And he went out and got his OC from East Carolina. Well, now you've got Brent Venables, uber successful defensive coordinator. Now was the head coach. He's looking for his Lincoln Riley. But he had, as far as I have seen, and I've been looking for this one, um, I wasn't necessarily looking for Brent Pry's announcement of coordinators. I figured he would get around to it. Brent Venables? I've been looking, and and I haven't seen anything yet. So as far as I know, he hasn't announced that, which, of course, Caleb Williams looked around going, all right, well, yeah, I love OU, and I've already got my lease at my apartment, etc." cetera, uh, but – who's going to be calling
3: plays and what will the plays be? Dan, how are you? Played against Chad Morris in high school. He Who was did? at Bay City. Me did. I, oh. I did. Yeah. He was at Bay City High School. And if you don't know where Bay City is, don't worry about it. It's a small little town, probably about an hour and a half to the southeast of Houston. In really, the Bay of the Gulf of Mexico kind of like does like a little inlet in. And, and I'm sure and, he
2: was very impressed with himself. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's like a 3A school, maybe. And then from there, went to Lake Travis. And then remember, too, Dude, the weird thing was was high school coaches going into the college ranks. It wasn't until Mitch Mustaine with uh, with with Gus Malzahn at Arkansas, and people were kind of looking at Houston Nutt, like, "What are yeah. you doing, man? Like, that's so weird. Like a high school guy. Like, there's so many yeah, different do you remember guys." Gus out there.
2: used to like go out of his way to stick up for high school coaches. He well, used to mention it. He was like, "I value those
3: guys." Well, and and, and I got to tell you, really, when it became in vogue was when Nick Saban took over at Alabama because remember he was going to hire Rush probes and then everything happened with Rush and he said yeah I can't do that Uh, your defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt you still got hair right now and you don't know what asparagus is come with us Uh, so no it's it's all about who we're willing to believe in in terms of that becoming a reality Uh, real quick here because I know we're up against it but you know how it's always about winning the press conference I think that now fans need to change their expectations listen to what they say and see if that marries up to yeah that seems like that could go somewhere action right after that billy napier already on the trail
2: yeah he knows what it takes to uh, win and not even in the sec or at the national level which is where florida's bar is he knows what it takes to win in jacksonville and that division
1: More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today.
2: Bottom of hour one on a Tuesday. That means we're going to talk with Dave Bartu. And if you were not paying attention yesterday, this was yesterday afternoon. All right. This was a December afternoon in 2021. Manny Diaz. I am disappointed in the university's decision and the manner in which this played out the last few weeks. Uh, Manny Diaz on a December afternoon three years ago. Yeah, I never really saw this coming. I'm sorry I've only been the Temple coach for 18 days, but I'm out of here. Now Manny Diaz has a problem with how things have played out. Three years ago, he took the Temple job in the interim between getting hired and then quitting 18 days later. He not only hired a bunch of assistants, made a bunch of changes in, in processes and policies and such, but all that's fixable. But, but he put them in place and they had to be undone. You know what else he did? He signed a recruiting class on the early signing period. Showed up roughly a week before, quit roughly a week after, and now he has an issue with it. Uh, among other things we will talk about with Dave Bartu, that includes Manny Diaz. I want to welcome on again. He is CFB Matrix. Dave, how are you today, man?
4: I'm, I'm probably not doing as good as Manny Diaz, though. You know, I mean that, that that quote that he dropped. I was sitting there laughing. I'm like, Temple said the exact same thing like three years ago, bro. Yeah. And, and and by the way, his buyout was eight million. I there are a long number of bullet points. The list is huge of things that I would do in public, probably unclothed, in exchange for eight million bucks. Yeah. So Manny Manny is just fine. Just stop it, Manny. Just stop it, please. You're embarrassing yourself.
2: All right. Well, let's talk about the related um, issues there. What about Miami? Um, Give me your summary with Manny Diaz as coach last week. This week, it's Mario Cristobal. Um, Net win for Miami at this point because you don't know the staff.
4: Yeah, it's going to be a net win because you know Mario is going to be bringing um, his level of recruiting to the table. Uh, which is obviously you saw at Oregon he he left Oregon uh, at the at the highest point they've been roster wise so the guy can just flat out recruit he knows how to get it done uh, he learned a lot obviously through the king of recruiting Nick Saban so he he applies that so with with Miami I mean you're getting a really good recruiter uh, you're also getting a guy that is really good at hiring guys um, you, you look at uh FIU you look at Oregon he builds good staff at, at least on paper from from my point of view the the DCs he hires the offensive coordinators he hires these are all good coaches. He hires recruiters, uh, predominant recruiters at the running back and wide receiver and DB position. He puts staff together really well. The only thing that, you know, you really question is excelling that talent that he recruits equal to or better expectations. You know, at FIU, it was below expectations. At Oregon, it was probably, it was pretty even Uh, But it wasn't above expectations. So I think you're going to get a really good coach, a really good staff, uh, and you're going to get Miami to perform at or right below the talent that's recruited. But it is going to take some time. It will take four, five, six years to to turn all of this around because, man, Miami and the culture has been down for a really long time.
2: Uh, Well, let's flip about as far away as you can from Coral Gables. Uh, What happens with the Ducks? Because that's an open spot, and that's a heck of a coaching position.
4: Oh, this this should already be over, in my opinion. I mean, the, the AD at Oregon should not land in Eugene without Luke Fickle or Dave Aranda. Look, Oregon's not competing against anybody right now. There's, there's, it's, it's all done, right? I mean, at their level, there is nothing else out there. They are only competing against themselves. Uh, and, and right now, their roster is unbelievably loaded. Uh, half or more of the staff is staying. So you have all these good recruiters. You've got a great defensive coordinator that's there. The facilities are ridiculous, and they're dumping another $180 million into a new practice facility. They have everything. They were just offering Mario Cristobal, what, $8 million a year? Cincinnati can't compete with that. Baylor can't come anywhere near with that. He needs to decide, do you go best available in Luke Fickle? Do you go best available West Coast ties in Dave Aranda? And do not come back to your job without one of those two. And if you can't get one of those two with all of these tools to sell, don't come back.
2: Uh, I do have to revisit, not because it's necessarily going to be in impactful on the field next year but um i asked you about this a week or two ago and i was skeptical it just didn't make sense to me but joe moorhead is in fact the new head coach at akron um give me those finances again like his personal bank account his wallet is is he making less now oh like 60 percent hit
4: oh that's that is powerful arrogance um it is I I think it's a perfect storm though. Um you and I both know that once you're a head coach and you lose your head coaching position, you your all, all your effort uh whether you're an offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator, you're an analyst for Nick Saban, it doesn't matter. Your effort is trying to head coach again. Yeah. That's really the bottom line. Um now Akron is a really <clears throat> subpar Opportunity, but some you know they they found a guy that finally wanted to be head coach again, bad enough to take it. I I had several guys that flat turned it down because you know you got an AD that isn't focused on football. I mean, there's so little money there, Chuck, that Joe Moorhead's salary at Oregon is about equal to what he is getting for his ten assistants.
2: That's 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 a rounding error at Oregon. <laughs>
4: <laughs> right? You know, so so he's he's probably uh, going from a million, million one yeah. down to about three fifty, four hundred. Uh, which, you know, for the for the rest of us folks is like, Oh, that's <laughs> I'll take that all day. Um, and his the pool for his his assistance is gonna be about a million dollars. But also remember he had the health issues at Oregon. A little bit of an emergency there. Being in Oregon, he's an entire country away from uh, the rest of his family in in the eastern side of the country. So at Akron, he gets close to home, gets close to family. There's a, And he's been doing this long enough uh, in his uh, demeanor, his personality. He's the kind of guy that squirrels all this away. So he ain't – he don't need the money. I think this is about just simply being a ball coach closer to home.
2: If that's it, God bless him. And I mean that as sincerely as I can say. Um, I've always said, because you know the footprint of our program, um, even if it's a job that I'm I'm, I'm talking to an LSU grad or a Florida grad or, you know, whoever, a Clemson fan, whomever. And Mm -hmm. you think, well, Duke or FIU, they're not taking my head coach. Why do I care about this? Because they may take your wide receivers coach or your recruiting coordinator, et cetera. So I got to ask about some of these positions. FIU, for instance, is it how on your radar is that? And do you have an inkling? And and should I care? Is it going to be somebody's coordinator?
4: You no, know, I, I don't I don't I I don't have that on my radar at all. And I mean you you saw the you saw the scathing exit wound oh, that that yeah. uh, that well I mean shoot he sunk their battleship dude. It was Tommy um, West getting out of Memphis. Oh, it was it was like I mean he just told everybody don't come to this hellhole. Yep. You know, you're you're gonna be treated bad, you're gonna have no resources, you're gonna expect it to win when you can't Uh, It's just a really horrible job. So somebody will take it. Somebody will take the paycheck. Somebody took Akron. Uh, (laughs) You're right. I do do really believe Joe's was more personal. It was not money motivated. I I really do think it was personal there. Um, But, you know, FIU, well, it may be the same thing. You know, find find a guy that uh, is is willing to um, swallow the problems in order to try to just be a head coach again. So it, it, it'll be that, or or somebody that just that's probably not a very good coordinator. That's way overrated. Yeah. Uh, that's a big name that on paper you and I go, that's not very good. Like Walt Bell, and he just got um, hired again,
2: didn't he? I saw he somebody hired him as OC. Who was that? <laughs>
4: Dude, Indiana, <laughs> indeed. That's exactly
2: who it was. I was like Tom Allen, you're
4: better than this. Oh God, no, he's not. Obviously, because see, he caught. He's not better than this because the last guy he hired last year was horrible. See, now Walt Bell is living off of two excellent years. He walked into Arkansas State, which already had an awesome offense, and he kept it up. And he had two great years of offense with Blake Anderson, who, by the way, is completely underrated. And you want to talk about a second second tier option for Oregon, though he should never get a phone call. That guy is an awesome head coach. But Walt did two great years at Arkansas State, then he left, and then it was two bad ones. And then his offense at UMass was we shouldn't even talk about it. It's not safe for work. So he is he is on a five year garbage offense a losing streak he just got hired into a program that had a garbage offense as well i will 100 percent bet against tom allen getting this one right as well
2: you know, everybody has that. Um, I had somebody tell me, and I liked the man; he was the nicest man you'd ever meet. That Ruffin McNeil had no business being, uh, certainly a coordinator, not a head coach. I've always had my version of Scott Leffler of that. Um, that I have heard more often about the work he did with Tom Brady two decades ago. Um, what mm-hmm. is what is your opinion of Scott Leffler?
4: Um, middle of the road. All right. You know. Um. You know. I, I don't. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think there's anything if there was something negative I'd find it if there was something great about it you know it's it's uh, you know it does a good job uh, um i haven't looked at his offensive numbers in a while or the defensive numbers so well, i can't, I what, I can't.
2: Then? You, you for next week all right you have homework scott leffler yeah
4: all right. We'll talk Scott Leffler next week. Well, wow. We're already teasing next week. I, I don't <laughs> think
2: anybody is in radio history has ever teased. And coming up in seven days, Scott Leffler talk. Uh, but we are going to take a break, come back, and jump back into it uh, a little more mainstream, a little more close to home. Virginia has an opening. Uh, that's next with Day Bar 2.
1: Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer.
3: Chuck Had Oliver Show
1: continues nose. on
2: a Tuesday. And if it's the bottom of hour one, that means we're visited by Dave Bartu. He is CFB Matrix. Dave, welcome back in. Uh, tell everybody who you are, what you do, and how to get in touch again.
4: No, I tell stories with numbers. Right now, I, I, I help create coaching staff you want to talk about a zoo behind the scenes every guy that gets fired and fired there's 10 more assistants that are in yeah. motion So, you know, you got, what, 14 guys that have been hired and fired right now. You're talking 140, 150 coaches in motion behind the scenes. Uh, It is is absolutely nuts. But uh, right now, the goal is is helping head coaches, uh, both current and new into their jobs, uh, reshuffle their staff to get the best guy available
2: and it is so customized so drilled down that it's based on you know the head coach what is it you want to achieve and do you have an idea of the path you want and okay well now i can customize the report for you it's not just oh, it, it, it's not yeah, just like it, it. opening a magazine where they say here are the 10 best assistant coaches in america it's not all created mm-hmm. equal for every head coach <laughs>
4: Exactly, because who, the guy who's going to go to Florida is different than the guy who's going to go to Texas Tech, which is different than the guy who's going to go to Oregon, which is different than the guy who's going to go to Akron. You know, and so uh, our database has over fourteen thousand coaches over the last twenty years, uh, and it is so detailed to the point uh, it will tell you where they were born, the coaches they've been under, the positions they've coached under, they where they played, everything. So we can try to find guys that actually fit the area fit the region. Uh, It is extremely detailed, but it's an awful lot of fun trying to put a staff together. We're working on one right now that everybody says, this is impossible to do. And I say, nobody's ever done it this way. So I don't say it's impossible.
2: All right, well, there are still head coaching jobs open, and mm-hmm. I can't imagine that Kirby Smart would lose either of his coordinators just to go somewhere else and be a coordinator. So do you think Kirby is going to have to hire? Because if you asked me a month ago, I would have said he might lose both coordinators, he might lose two assistants, Dell McGee. Um, do you think Kirby's going to have to hire?
4: Always, right? The, the, the best teams usually get poached constantly. You know, look at look at Bama. You know, they win. Boom. They get poached somehow. Uh, and, and I'd love to. You want to talk about one of those twenty twenty 20 questions you'd like to ask. Uh, I'd love to be able to ask Dabo. How the heck did you keep this staff together for so long? You know, he had he an incredible coaching continuity for, mm-hmm. you know, decade over almost. a decade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, where, you know, he's he's losing nobody, and, and Nick's over there turning through two guys, three guys a year. So, it's inevitable that, uh, you know, Dan, uh, you know, Lanning, and Monken are going to be gone. You in think my that opinion. can happen this offseason? Could be FIU, right? I mean, wouldn't it be if, if, if Lanning knocked on the door at FIU, they'd welcome him in right now. You know, I was, I was thinking just because of proximity, um, instead, of, instead of retreading Helton at Georgia Southern, that would have been a great, great opportunity for Lanning, well, you know, to, to maybe get him there. Yeah. Uh, and Maybe that was below him, you know. Maybe he is seeing a lot of these guys like the Venables go, look, if I believe in myself and I can keep running at this level, uh, I'll just wait for the job I want to come open rather than start on the bottom and work my way up.
2: Ryan Van Gorder's career never came back. After he left Georgia in the early, like the mid-00s, I think 05 mm-hmm. maybe, it never came back when he went to Georgia Southern and didn't have success.
4: Yeah, but he was a real crappy D.C. Um, actually, that guy has probably made more money Per yards given up. It's been 15
2: seasons of when he's been employed. It's been 15 seasons of bad defense, bad defense, bad defense, bad defense, and he was the hottest name in 04 um, 05. Continuing yeah. with Dave Bartoo, so do you think that it may be any of the assistants, Glenn Schumann or whomever, do you think any of the assistants may be uh, poached?
4: Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I don't know about that. I would just start with, you know, with the with the top guys with your DC and OC, yeah, and, and, and let's see what happens. You know, um, Georgia in the regular season had the number one scoring efficiency on offense, the number one scoring efficiency on defense. If they don't win the next two, it is one of the top three biggest. Oh my God, you had a great team and choked it away uh, of the last twenty years easily. So all pressures on Georgia to to get their stuff together in the next uh uh in the next month to try to win a national title. But the offense and the defense has both been really good uh in the regular season. Fell apart, obviously, in the SEC title game, so we'll see if they can get it back together. But Lanning's name has gotta be out there, uh, because that defense was for twelve games was as as good as it gets.
2: Uh is Duke Going to be serious about football?
4: They don't have to be, no, right? They don't no. have. I mean, you know, it, the, the question is do they go younger? You know, do they go away from from the Cutcliffe style mm-hmm. um, and, and and try to build it up from there? You know, the problem is is if if the guy's even close to successful, he's gone in three years. Um, versus getting somebody like a Cutcliffe that'll, that'll stick around a long time. You know, one <clears throat> one guy that I thought of right away who has taken two teams from the worst to a division title within three years, uh, three years apart. Uh, at San Jose State and at Colorado is Mike McIntyre. He's a DC there at Memphis, Big and he and he has rebuilt two programs from the bottom up um, and made them winners within three years. Now I'm not saying that's going to be what is going to happen at Duke, but if you are basketball focused like Duke and you just want consistency at football. That is a, an absolute great guy to hire because the defense is going to be there. He he increased recruiting. You know, it's what Mel Tuck, yeah. Tucker won with his guys. Um, and, and uh, you know, and, and Brennan has kept up San Jose State since he rebuilt it. So, you know, to me, there's a lot of young guys out there, you know, like a Lanning, like a Monken. Uh, or you can get somebody that is a lot more consistent and a veteran like McIntyre and bring that in.
2: I tell you, I don't know if there's a, this is a factor or, like, at the very bottom, there's a final box that you can check. Is he a coach's son? There is something real to that, man. There is just something you pick up through, I don't know, osmosis or something you are in the crib and you hear split <laughs> zone. And, like, as a two-month-old, it just plants in I'm telling you, that's one thing. And McIntyre's the well, same look way.
4: At, look at Belichick. He t- he talked about that the other day. Oh, how absolutely! With, with with his dad, he was sitting there listening to him breaking down film when you know when he's in grade school, you know. And a lot of people don't know the the, the McIntyre names because they're not as old as you and me. But his dad was SEC coach of the year at Vanderbilt. Van-
2: Vanderbilt. He took Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt to a bowl game when they only played eleven games. Uh, last thing, I am um, a huge, huge, huge. That's three huges. Uh, Bronco fan. Um, and he just walked away. He put his hands up, says, yeah, I'm done right now. Um, What about the Virginia program? Where do they go? Shoot, Are you involved man. in that? I don't mean to ask. Sometimes I ask no, you things no. that you're involved in, and you can't talk.
4: No, it's a, it's okay, and I've learned how to tiptoe around that stuff without giving anything really away. You know, I can answer questions with a question with the best of them. So, uh, no, with, with, with Bronco, I love the, the program. I mean, this was a top 25 recruiter 20 years ago. You know, Colorado and Virginia and and Illinois 20 years ago were all top 25 recruiters. Now, Virginia's admissions is brutal, so you're immediately taking a step back there. Uh, But location-wise for recruiting is gorgeous. Campus, facilities, you know, campus can't get any better. Um, You know, and Bronco is, well, he's just done. You know, he's been doing it a long time. He's made enough money. He's 56. He has other Uh, other priorities. I don't think you're going to see him coach ever again. This wasn't. Wow. We're, this wasn't. You're going to leave before we fire you. I just think he's like I'm. 56. I got a family. I have made generational wealth. I don't need this anymore. I'm tired, and I'm going to go back to the ranch and just hang with my family for the rest of my life and enjoy it. So, uh, what Bronco did at BYU uh, was was excellent. Better than what the current coach is doing. He had a better grade yeah, than him. Yeah, he was a yeah. better recruiter, and he had better numbers. So, um, but with with Virginia, I think it's a really good opportunity. You got like thirty uh, seconds, so go ahead. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that, that's cool. I think they're going to have to focus on someone that has. I, I think they're going to hire somebody that has a background that has to deal with the academics like Virginia. I think that's what you've got to focus on, you know, because everybody's got to recruit. The guy they hire is going to come from a program that has academic restrictions as well.
2: A lot to understand there, a lot to figure out. Uh, Dave, I always appreciate you kind of uh, opening the curtains, man, letting us see. Uh, we'll do it again in seven more days. My pleasure, brother. Thank you. All right, Dave Bartu, he is college football matrix, and that is a, 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 a consideration Um, and they thought that they were having, you know, taking care of that when they brought a guy like Bronco in from a program like BYU. And it was a complete culture shock to Bronco for at least a couple of seasons, um, in my estimation,
0: anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect.
1: Define an opportunity.
0: Imagine talking to millions of people across the U S like I am now
1: identify a problem.
0: Creating an audio ad is time consuming.